Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Geek Rant, episode 247, Screaming Into the Void. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the only show on the internet where geeks rant. I am your host, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockroach, and this week joining me is the one, the only, the inimitable Seth, the gooey kid, Anderson. Hey, Seth, how you doing, brother? Doing awesome. How are you, Mark? And I'd like to shout out to everybody who's listening. Ah! All right, that was a that was Sorry. a decent shout. That was it was kind of a girly shout, actually. Well, you uh. know, it was. Um, I didn't want to like shout shout, but I said <laughs> shout, and I was like, I, you know, I always try to throw some little tiny new wrinkle in the beginning. Uh, and you. when you've been doing the show for five years, sometimes they're not very good wrinkles. <laughs> so Chris is not with us this week. He uh, is doing family stuff, and uh, we here at the Element Opie Network um, always always say that family comes first. Uh, and we did miss last week. We apologize for that unscheduled outage. But uh, I had an unscheduled outage at my house in the name of power. We had some pretty uh, nasty thunderstorms that rolled through. And about, uh, I don't know, about an hour before the show was going to go, uh, the the radar on the internet was all kinds of red and my power was blinking. Not not gone, gone, but I was like, you know, I, I just I could just see we get up there and, and Seth drives an hour to do the show going to get up there and and i'm gonna we're gonna get started and power's gonna go out and then we're gonna spend the next 20 minutes saying texting each other am i gonna come back i don't know let's wait so i decided to call it off so i sent seth an email and said hey never mind um just not gonna do it tonight power problems and about a half an hour later he replied just got to where i record um guess that's not gonna happen so sorry about that my friend yeah, no, it's okay. Um, actually, some friends of mine were getting together close by, so I just I went over there and hung out. So, um, but yeah, you know, family comes first, which is great when you're single. Um, I don't know if it's uh, been on your newsfeed on Facebook, but on mine, there's the seven day love your spouse challenge. Oh yes, it's all over the place. It just it makes me want to destroy every piece of technology I have. So I think I'm going to do maybe a seven day uh, book challenge or something, and just take a picture yeah. of me with a book doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> And, you know, for seven days. Yeah. So Seven day I, love I, your read challenge. Yeah. yeah. Because, well, you know, I mean, I've spent more time with those books than I have most people. So uh, you could you could do an illustration of Honor Harrington. You've had many dates with her that go go well into the night. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? She keeps me up all night, night <laughs> after night. So I am. I am about halfway through the short Victorious War because my friend Seth loves the series so much. And I like John Weber, John Weber, Joseph Weber, Weber. Joseph yeah, Weber, John, John Ringo, Joseph Weber. Oh yeah, yeah, David uh, Weber, David Weber. That's it. Yeah, I, I like David Weber stuff. You know, pretty much everywhere else, especially when he teams up with John Ringo. That that combination I really like. So even after I didn't like the first one very much, and I liked the second one even less, I decided to dive into the third one. And I swear I'm about um, nine hours into a 17 hour book, and I'm like, can this be over now? Can, can this okay. just be over now? So. You would like then the Crown of Slaves subseries because it's Ringo and Weber together, and it is the the two main characters have this awesome banter back and forth. So that's my favorite part of the universe now. So, uh, I, the the thing that bothers me most about it is the thing that the people who like it like about it, and that is, um, it is you know sixteen percent action, five uh, percent interpersonal relationships. And eighty-one percent, uh, wait, seventy-one percent, whatever I'm left with, political intrigue. Um, and if you're into that sort of thing, Weber does it well. 
But I'm just like, I don't care if High Admiral, the Duke, whatever, whatever. I don't care. So uh, at this point, I'm just slogging through it because I got to finish what I started. But right. Honor and I are breaking up. Yeah. Um, you know, I loved the first books the best when it was Honor and her ship. Um, has the cast of characters expanded across the known human universe at the time? It got to be, it gets to be a bit much. So, um, but he said he originally saw this as being a 10 book series and he's on like book 75 and it's finished about half of what he wanted. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Um, I just finished Peter F. Hamilton's, uh, Pandora star. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, Hamilton hits, hits my first read of his. Uh, and I know he's been around for a while, and he's a big uh, sci-fi. And th- these are things that uh, people who I like, people whose uh, uh, reputation and opinion I trust, keep recommending these books, like Seth, for example. Um, and so uh, the the Pandora Star, the the what is it, the Void trilogy? I don't remember which it is. Uh, but anyway, um, they, they come really highly recommended. And so Hamilton is excellent at universe building. I mean, he just really tells every little intricate detail. You know these characters. You know this world. You understand the physics of the world. You understand the politics of the world. But it makes a relatively straightforward story into a 30-hour audiobook. Um, And you definitely get your money's worth. Uh, But I I think uh, I need somewhere between, uh, like John Ringo, who I I said earlier, you can read a John Ringo book and go through the whole book and not know what color hair the, the protagonist had. He just doesn't care about that. You, right. you don't know what color their uniforms are. Like, this is a naval series, and you've read six books in, and not at one point did he say, the captain looked good in his navy blues. You, you just don't know. Um, right. And his characters are Lego blocks. You can make look make them look like whatever you want. Uh, Hamilton is so far the other way, you know you know, the particular tint of the BO that this personal, particular character has. Yeah, um, and plus Ringo, he's great for a three book series. Right. And then, uh, yeah. <laughs> once once he tries to extend past that, it becomes so freaking repetitious. So, um, but you know, and it's basically a lot of his say, a lot of his characters are almost identical across series. But you, I don't care because, like I say, for those first three books, it's really good. Um, um, so Black Tide Rising, they just came out with an anthology book, which is um, a bunch of short stories based in that universe. And uh, I'm going to buy it because I really liked the universe. There's so much that can be done there. I'm hoping the anthology um, will be good because, you know, it, it's a way to let other writers kind of come play in your universe. And that's something that David Weber's done with the World of Honor books. There's like a total of six of them. And you get short stories and it's five or six short stories in a book and he might like write one of them and the others are other science fiction authors. And so it's a kind of way to introduce yourself to other authors. And then, you know, and it kind of helps flesh out the backstory of what's going on. I'm currently reading star care, the star carrier series by uh, Ian Douglas and eh, it's um, those humans are so different than humanity today that I mean, it's a five book series. I, I enjoyed the first one. So I finished, I finished the first one like on Monday and I finished the second one Friday or Saturday and the other one today. So it's, um, they're just so different. Like the honor Harrington humans are basically us 
in the future, but you know, they have the same kind of stuff and the same kind of issues we deal with. The humans from the star carrier series are, you know, they have like implants so they can access stuff almost telepathically. It's not telepathically. It's just, you know, um, whatever that word is cybernetically. Um, but it it makes them almost unrelatable. So Mm. I, I don't, I would not recommend, I don't think star carrier because it's not in my wheelhouse of military fiction, but it's what I'm reading now and it's a little different. So it's kind of cool. All right. And so none of this conversation that we just had was, was planned. This was all just a rant off the top of our heads. So tune in next week to, uh, books we don't like. Um, you know what, just to, to continue, continue on this, this rabbit hole. Uh, I think that, the problem with sci-fi writers like that is is they're smart guys writing for smart guys and and i use guys here sexistly because let's face it 80 percent of their audience is male um and so smart guys get bored with straightforward shoot 'em ups so the, they start going off into these intricate trails and 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 while that's interesting it also gets super boring uh sometimes uh and and just like any good geek what what i like I find interesting, and I can I can tear it apart and go down to the the intricate details of it. And each each little uh, layer of the onion I peel off is is uh, fascinating to me. My wife, on the other hand, is like, "Are you still talking about that?" So I think sometimes when you know when Ringo and Weber and when these guys go off into that thing, Orson Scott Card when he goes on to you know what is a what is a human? Uh, are they Vraman or a Varelta? You know, and uh, and and the, when he goes off into these these things, what is the nature of of a being? Um, we're all like, oh, okay, I'm glad you find this interesting. And some of them are along, uh, some of his audience is along for the ride, but the rest of us are like, can we just go back to Ender because that was really good? Um, so anyway. Right. Well, and that's like, um, you know, these mostly what I read is military science fiction. And had I been in the military, I'm sure I would enjoy these books more. But I was never I never joined the service. I just kind of liked it, but not enough to join. So, um, you know, I understand his target audience. But, um, you know, I I understand the camaraderie and, you know, the bonds of brotherhood that troops share and stuff like that. But because I never experienced it myself like that. I am drawn to the other aspects of the world um, in pretty much all the sci-fi series. And um, and there's not enough of the other aspects. Um, in the Star Carrier series, it's about human transcendence, becoming, you know, where human and machine have become one to the point to where humanity is no longer recognizable. And that's what they're struggling with because there's another um, species out there who looks like they've attained it already. And so... Anyway, it's 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 an interesting dilemma, and it's a little outside of my normal wheelhouse. But you know, such as as much as I like it, you can't read the same thing over and over and over. You got to yeah. have a little variety. It's good to shake it up once in a while. The, the, when I finish Honor Harrington, my next book in the queue is a thirty-hour um, a uh, uh, autobiography. Obviously, not autobiography. Thirty-hour biography of uh, Abraham Lincoln. I like to jump back from the far future to the far past sometimes. That's cool. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I had a, I actually had a nice little lead-in with my little rant about things that you find interesting, and then you went and made a salient point and blew it all up. But another thing that some people find really interesting and others don't is uh, sharks flying out of storms. Uh, but eventually, even that runs a little dry. Okay. You know, I was all my... Um, 
my comment because for those of you who don't know this is basically the show we were going to do last week we just moved it forward yeah so it was going to be i'm missing sharknado for this and um then i got home and watched sharknado and sharknado the four awakens the fourth awakens they they should let it sleep i mean that's it was so bad people and i i will i will say and i will stand by this assertion um that sharknado 3 is the greatest dairy ever or the greatest cheese ever produced outside of dairy in recorded human civilization sharknado 3 freaking awesome watch it over again live the meme david hasselhoff spacewalking what more do you need I mean, it, it was it was great, but Sharknado Four, complete and utter crap. It was just bad, but not in a good cheesy kind of bad. Okay, you know how like with the Star Trek original movies, the um, even numbers were good and the odd numbers were bad. Well, it's the opposite in Sharknado. One was good, two was down a little, three was awesome, four flopped. But there's going to be a fifth one. Um, so maybe, maybe what happens is the ones that don't have Nova. And if you've watched Sharknado, you know who Nova is, um, are bad because she basically carries the film, um, the, the, the two that she's been in. And I've just got to say that how in the world did people vote to let Tara Reid live? She needed to die in that movie. So and I figured it out. She, it's not that she's a bad actor. She just played it. She played this person poorly in the spirit of the film and just made a bad choice. And she stuck within yeah. that. But I mean, come on. She had a lightsaber and a chainsaw and lasers. And she had like jets in her feet. And she was like a cyborg. And it just let her die. Please. <laughs> Sharknado 4 was awful. It made me. I mean, I'll still watch five, you know, don't get me wrong, but I won't tell anybody I'm going to watch five. I'll just review it after the fact. So I am sorry for everybody, all the run-ins I did in the previous shows leading up to Sharknado 4, wanting to get people to watch it. If you're about to watch it, don't. Yeah. It's it's just awful. You know, as we've talked about before, we on this show have a love of that which is so bad it's good. Um, right. And, you know, Sharknado, the the first Sharknado, Sharknado 1, was the epitome of So Bad It's Good. It was, they, it was just a, a, a quick um, cash grab movie that, uh, I can't remember the name of the production company. Asylum. Asylum, Asylum Films threw together for a few thousand dollars, not even, not even tens of thousands, I think. Uh, just a few thousand dollars. They threw it together. It was going to go on sci-fi. It wasn't a big deal. And it became... Because it was so bad and because, you know, it, it happened to hit the right nerve, it became the epitome of so bad it's good. I mean, it's right up there with um, anything Jean-Claude Van Damme ever did. You know, it's it's pretty amazing in its badness. Um, and then the second one, they tried to capitalize on that and made it even more over-the-top bad. Um, and it worked okay, you know. And then to the third one, it was like, checkmate. This is so bad it's good. Right there, checkmate. The king is dead. Um, and then they had nowhere to go. So I, I don't know. I don't know how 
you know, Return of the, uh, Revenge of the Fifth is going to do. I don't know. You know, the the thing is, there were like it's like somebody they took they took five separate writers and said, "Okay, y'all, we need a little 10-minute overview of what Sharknado 5 is going to be." And they each handed in their 10-minute overview and they said, "Okay, yours will be first and yours will and then they like took three pages of this one, then two pages of that one, <laughs> then a page of this one and they had like four or five films worth of material um, that they could have, you know, crapped all over. And <laughs> been good. But instead, they put all of it together and it was just a jumble mess that I wanted to laugh. There's not been a movie I wanted to enjoy as much as I wanted to enjoy this one. And even I mean, even the. I, I couldn't even laugh at the jokes that were meant to laugh at, right. you know, um, like they, they had some Baywatch cast on there talking about how, you know, their moms wanted them to get PhDs instead of run along the beach. And I mean, it, they just like, they forced it. It was awful. It was awful. There was the only redeeming quality and the, you can't even say the end was a redeeming quality because the end pointed to more of the same, <laughs> but, um, I didn't make it that far. I didn't make yeah, it to the end. And, you know, and I, and I told people on my Facebook post, don't watch this one. It's bad. Yeah. So. Okay. I do want to say that I've gotten a good bit of feedback about the uh, the Moonshot show that we did uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, I, I want to get there, – there's been so much of it coming in. I don't want to just uh, gloss over it. I think we're going to do a whole show of just listener feedback about that. Uh, it's interesting. Some people completely misread – what I thought I was saying, which is not unusual, people do that all the time. Um, but the it was interesting the 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 defenses that people made. They were defending attacks that I didn't make, um, and and they were attacking defenses that I didn't make. It's it's I I, I love shows that do that uh, because you know space is a is a thing that that geeks particularly are are passionate about. So if you haven't uh, listened to the show yet, shame on you. Uh, but if you have and you haven't made any comments and you think we've moved past it too far, uh, go ahead and bring uh, send those in. And probably um, at the end of August, we'll do a uh, a rebuttal show. Uh, not, that's not the right word, but a, 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 a feedback show about uh, the um, moonshot. So you know, it could be returned from the moon. We could just like kind yeah. of make it a continuum because, you know, when they went to the moon, they had to come back. That's so. true. And, you know, the most uh, exciting time in the space program was when we thought some guys wouldn't. Right. Um, just like NASCAR. The only time, the only pe- time, the only reason people watch it is because sometimes people wreck. Yeah. And, you know, if half the cars would go in the other direction, I would watch that thing <laughs> every week. They just need a chicane track in the middle. Like the little slot racer track I had when I was a kid, there was right. a little piece of it where only one car could fit at a time. If they did that at the Indy 500, ratings would go through the roof. Or if they made it a figure eight. <laughs> With a jump. No, not a jump. Just they had to time it going through. <laughs> well, they do that they, at, uh, at demolition derbies. They're, those tracks are often figure eights. Uh, right. And that's that's fun. Uh, in the watch stuff blow up kind of fun. Right. Uh, one other thing. Uh, you know, we had talked about, and back in February, when I did our financial February, we talked about uh, creative investment strategies. Uh, and Seth uh, had a whole list of links um for bitcoin faucets and things like that um and you know with big disclaimers these may be totally scams um but the one that seth and i the the only one that i've stuck with and i think maybe seth the only one you've stuck with um is coince.com uh, uh and i just wanted to to say that we're uh 
we're now six months into my experiment with it. I put uh, $40 in it, and I have in in that time, I have pulled back over 100 and I have 200 in investments. So my initial $40 investment has netted me six times that amount. Don't get me wrong. This is totally a pyramid scheme, and I expect it to come crumbling down anytime soon. But the beauty of a pyramid scheme is if you're at the top, you make more money. Um, so this is, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe suborning you to be my Amway downliner. I'm just saying that this thing that I'm pretty sure is illegal and is probably going to go away sometime soon um, is, is actually working pretty well. But they've started enter, entering, entering some, some real um, scumbag territory. Uh, and before we talk about that, Seth, do you have any comments on CoinC in general? Um, you know, get. I want to tell people to get in it, but at the same token, I didn't think it would last this long. Yeah, don't throw you, and don't throw one penny in that you don't mind losing. Take take whatever money you'd be willing to wipe your butt with, and use that for CoinCE, but nothing else. Yeah, if you think I've got $50 and that's not enough to go to Vegas, $50 is enough to play in CoinCE. So um, I think over, I didn't make just like one investment, but I think I've put a total of 200 in and I've gotten like, um, I have to, I was looking at it. Hold on and I will tell you, wow, isn't this exciting right now? <laughs> so, um, Bum, bum, bum. at least and there was one time i was going to make a big investment and then it was like um for a couple of days you couldn't access it very well and usually that's the telltale sign of it's going away but it didn't it came back up stronger than ever and oh come on all right well while he's doing that i'll tell you that uh one of the changes that has happened since february is is they they're now paying out three percent daily interest that's crazy. 3% on your thing. So if you put $100 in every day, they give you $3 for a 60-day investment. So you do the math on that. That's $180 that comes back to you for your $100. There, Vegas would be hard-pressed to get those kind of odds, which is why I'm sure this can't be legitimate. Um, go ahead, Seth. Yeah, what, well... One, there's a story. One of the first guys who did a Bitcoin investment scheme was basically put in prison for offering 1% a day. Right. Um, but yeah, I have a grand total of, I have put a, of, I've put roughly $200 in. I've earned over $665 and I've taken of that, I've taken just over 300 out. And my current active investment is $425. Now, the way the active investment works is, you know, you put the 3% in and at the end of 60 days, it goes away. So some of my investments are a few days from going away. And I made one just today that will last for 60 days. And um, I I have such a churn now that um, I reinvest a portion and then I take out a portion and I reinvest a portion and take out a portion. And it's enough to slowly grow very slowly. Like my line is almost flat. It's just like if you were looking at a line, it's maybe a 5 or 10% incline going up because I keep pulling money out. And I'm well up here and all total – because I did some stupid things because I was just throwing money at Bitcoin. You know, people were just like, hey, take my money. I'm like, I'll throw some to you. Um, I've recouped everything I've put in here and more, and I'm only a couple of hundred dollars down with like, I've got 
400 in here and 100 in another site. There's a 4X uh, paradise.biz is the other one I'm into. <laughs> Which just sounds as scummy as possible. Well, I mean, it's Forex. Like, there's the Forex market for trading currencies. That's the name they're trying to invoke there. And um, originally, I put like 80 something dollars because it was like point something Bitcoin and it translated to like 83. And at the end of three months, I had pulled out a total of like 170. And then I put 100 in. So if it went belly up tomorrow, I would just be down, you know, five or ten dollars all total um, on that one. But uh, we'll see what happens. I'm, I don't know. If you would have gotten this back in February when I told you to, um, and I I put my referral link out there, you would have made your money back more than double. So of course, you know, if I if everybody jumps in when they hear this show, they'll probably go billy up next week, and then you'll yeah. be mad at the gooey kid. So remember, these are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Don't put your kids' college or your retirement in coin ce or any other bitcoin investment scheme yeah i i'm hesitant to even call this an investment it is a speculation um and in fact i i don't even consider it a real speculation i expect this money to go away anytime i I really do uh which is why after i got my initial investment back from coin ce i pulled it out and i've been playing with house money from there on and and it's i look at it like that this is this is me at the roulette table playing with house money saying come on number seven um that's that's where i am right now um and at some point i'm gonna hit snake eyes see i said roulette and then i started going dice but whatever at some point we're gonna get the you know double zero and it's all over but until that happens i'm having some fun with essentially the cost of a couple of pizzas so anyway what i what i was gonna say is uh one of the indicators to me that they're on their way down is that they started doing something fairly scummy. They have introduced um, compounding. All right. Now, compounding interest, anybody who has done anything uh, in a bank knows that that is where you your interest goes back in and you get paid interest off of the interest and then you get paid interest off of that interest and interest off of that. So they've used the word compounding to invoke, you know, financial stability. But it's really the better way to look at it is a donation do you decide how much of your money you donate back to coin ce at any point in time so like i said this is unique in that you put say a hundred dollars in that hundred dollars is gone you will never see that hundred dollars again it's gone you get interest every day for 60 days off of that hundred dollars so for 60 days you get three three percent interest you get three dollars you get 180 dollars back so that's your profit but the hundred dollars is gone so what they give you the opportunity to do is compound your interest. So I looked at that and thought, well, let's see what happens if I crank it up to 100%. All right, so 100% of my interest, so if on $100, $3 now is going back in. So the next day it's 103, and the next day it's 103.5, and the next day it's 107, and the next day it's 112, because I'm getting interest off of that uh, 103 all the time. But what what's the, the kick in that is, on the 60th day, I reinvest 100% of my interest again. 100% of nothing is nothing. And my, my uh, 60-day investment is over, so it all went away. So not only did I lose my initial investment, but I lost all the interest because I was compounding it at 100%, and it ran out, and it was all gone. 
Um, so it's uh, it's misleading in the extreme. It could still be worked to your advantage, but anytime somebody starts doing stuff like that, I, I think you know it's just a matter of time before it's all over. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I um, I had kind of the same experience. I had an investment that only had like I don't know a week left. And I chose to reinvest 60% because that's about the percentage that I reinvest normally anyway. And then I looked and on the, on that 60th day, it paid out interest and then it reinvested that. And then the investment disappeared. So it was kind of a bummer. So I was like, ah, you know, so luckily I was only out a few bucks at that point. Um, and I had still, you know, and like I say, Overall, I'm still up on the site, but um, yeah, I take if if you're going to play in Coin CE, put your money in. The first thing you do is take out your money as fast as you can, and they've made it to where once you um, cash out of Coin CE, it takes them up to 48 hours. I've usually found it's been 24 to 36 for it to hit my. Um, my Bitcoin wallet. Um, and you know, for example, I take out 15 because of the, I call it a Bitcoin tax, but you know, the transaction fee for the miners to do the blockchain, I'm getting between 1450 and like 1480, depending on how the Bitcoin price fluctuates there. And, um, you, while that one is pending, you can't do another one. So you can't just like take your money every day, every day, every day. You can only do it like every two or every three days. So wait till you get some money built up, pull it out. Wait till you get some more money built up, pull it out. Once you've got your money back, then start reinvesting. Um, I try to, I do it in such a way where between 105 and 110 percent of my money gets reinvested and i'm pulling out between 70 and 75 percent so and because if you could look at my uh list of deposits i have deposits that will be going away in three days meaning they're 57 days old all the way up to one i just made today and i've probably got um you know maybe 20 of them in there so and like any good pyramid scheme, there's referral links. So yes. if after this discussion, any of you guys want to try it, send Seth an email or send me an email and we'll send you a referral link and we can both make a little cash for your experimentation. Yeah, or hit the um, forums. I posted my Coin CE link there. And actually, off of Mark, I've looked it up and I've made just over $10 off of his investments because when he reinvests, I get the I get my five percent referral off of that. So you know he's making money and I'm making money <laughs> off of him. It's a win win situation. And um, if you use Mark's link, he'll get five percent of yours, and I'll get one percent of yours. So then all of us will make money. So you can fund the Element OP uh, World Domination Tour uh, multiple ways. Classic, classic Ponzi scheme. Um, and if you don't know. Um, what that is google it um i forgot the guy's first name ponzi was the last name um and basically the guy said he was he had this this scheme of selling stamps uh, of some sort and you could buy the stamps overseas and then cash them in in the u.s or buy them in the u.s cash them in overseas something like that well the stamps never existed the the money never uh it was never a thing he just took 
what person 10 gave him and paid dividends to person 1 and took what person 20 gave him and paid dividends to person 10. So person 1 was making lots of money. Person 1000 just had all his money go away. <laughs> right. So and this seems to me like a classic Ponzi scheme, but you know, I'm hoping I'm person 10 and not person 1000. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, like I say, we've at least I mean, if if I went tomorrow and I went to cointe.com and I got a page that said this domain is recently listed for sale, <laughs> then I'll know this one's over and I will lament the fact that I had $400 in there. And then I'll go, but wait a minute, I only ever invested two and I took out like three. So I'm I'm okay. Um, you know, but it, it, if you invest your money on day one and on day two, you look to see how it did and your $1,000 investment went away you would be really ticked so what i tell people this is what i say go to coinbase which is a legitimate wallet um, invest your hundred dollars use my referral link you get an extra 10 take that 10 and go to coin ce so that way you're playing with house money to begin with yeah and because i have almost every day i kick myself for not having bought Bitcoin when it was a dollar a Bitcoin, and I first heard about it, and I said to myself and said to my friend, I said, you know, I could I could throw five hundred dollars in this and not miss it. I've got that much to invest. Um, oh, I should do that, and that five hundred would have become five million uh, at at some point. Uh, well, five hundred thousand at least. Uh, but because of that, I put I bought two Ether. Which a new is a, the not the newest, but uh, sort of the biggest uh, name Bitcoin currency or, or digital currency other than Bitcoin right now. I bought at uh, I think thirteen dollars per Bitcoin, uh, so I spent twenty six dollars onto Ether. I, I said Bitcoin uh, thirteen dollars per Ether, so I spent twenty six dollars, and currently they're uh, eleven dollars per Ether, so I've lost money. But you know. I just put 25 bucks out there and we'll see what happens because if I had done that in the Bitcoin days, I wouldn't have to be working. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I couldn't retire, but I would have more money than I do now. Right. Uh, so that's another thing. Um, you, you might want to check it out just, you know, in the interest. I I, didn't, I had no idea that we were going to spend 40 minutes talking about this, but that's okay. I thought it was interesting. I hope you yeah. did too, listener. Yeah, no, I uh, once I get even net even from my Bitcoin, then I'm going to buy some Ether. Um, or in that, or Ethereum. Ethereum, yes. Yeah. So, uh, but no, what I do now is just to, is like the fourteen dollars and change that I pull out that comes in after my fifteen dollar thing. I take and then pull fourteen of that out as real currency, and those extra cents, I'm slowly building up my Bitcoin. I'm up to, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it's not much and it's just like, you know, just because I want even numbers showing up in my, uh, in my, uh, real world money. That's funny. It, it, it's just slowly, you know, well, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at is I'm slowly building up Bitcoin as I recoup my money. And then once I recoup my money, then I'll build, build Bitcoin and maybe, maybe get some Ethereum in there and maybe try to find some other ponzi schemes i can get on the ground for. <laughs> well if you do let me know because this one's working out for well for me so far um all right uh, just one other thing uh i, I just wanted to say that I, I had my first experience with uh craigslist this week i i have never craigslisted i'd never had any need for craigslist 
prior to moving to Atlanta, I lived in a pretty rural area where I kind of knew everybody. I could stick my head out the front door and say, hey, y'all got some tomato cans? Um, and I didn't really need Craigslist. But uh, when I moved into this new house recently, I didn't have any place to put up my Pod Pod panels that where I had built my studio five or six years ago. Um, so they were just sitting out back getting rained on, ruining. Uh, and so I thought, I'll put those on Craigslist and see what happens. So Monday night at about... 11 uh i i put a description of them they're uh, four foot by eight foot they're six foot uh two by six with osb and stuffed with that you know i described what they are and uh said free you know they're heavy bring a friend uh but if you're gonna take one you gotta take all and i went to bed by six o'clock the next morning i had 22 people saying i want them i want them i want them um i had no idea that my trash would be so many other people's treasure uh, but they're gone now. Somebody came and got them, and uh, I, with probably more glee than I should have had, I watched two guys struggle to to carry those things through my backyard and load them onto a trail. Because I've done it several times myself now, and uh, so I even told the guy that I said, you know, I, I've done this several times, which is why I'm standing on the porch watching you do it because I've paid my dues. Um, but now I think he's going to go make a shed out of them, a storage shed. Fine, there he is. Great. Um, but then I, I thought, well, let's let's try this Craigslist thing. I have a man cave in my apartment, in my house now, um, and it's just a big empty room right now. So I need some furniture in it. So I did. I put a. I, you can do searches, save searches on Craigslist. So I put a save search for a couch under one hundred and fifty dollars. And over several days, you know, like twenty or thirty or fifty a day would come in, and I found uh, this guy who had, was moving. Uh, he had to get out. His lease was up on the 15th of August. He's like, everything must go. And he had two couches listed for $300. Uh, and I said, I'll give you 300 or 200, uh, for both of them. And he said, how about 225? And I said, deal. So I got a lazy boy, queen size sleeper sofa and a, I don't know what brand leather, uh, recline. It's got two reclining seats on either side, both for 200 bucks on craigslist so my man cave is looking looking a little better so if you're not a craigslister might be worth checking out yeah um there is weird al nailed craigslist there's a song about craigslist from where it's it's just awesome you should pause the show now and go listen to it it's great but and there's a neat it's several years old now but google craigslist red paperclip we've talked about it before on the show but it's been years ago it's it's neat craigslist is awesome you can take something you don't want and you can trade it to for something somebody else doesn't want but you want what they have and they want what you have and so you both won the trade you know um of course you can also um meet shady characters in a dark parking lot at night and get robbed blind so be careful you know just because it's the virtual world you still live in the real world be very careful on what you do but craigslist is awesome i love craigslist all right and one last thing are you still running seth i am i did the um i ran my 5k on july the 30th um they had originally scheduled it for like the 4th of July, but lightning said, why don't you do it another day? And so I got my one in for July on the 30th. I was going to do, um, I put a post out on Facebook saying, Hey y'all, let's just get run keeper and go somewhere and, you know, turn them on and run for five, 
5k unless somebody wants to pay my way for me to do uh, a 5k somewhere and then somebody sent me a text that says hey when can you come pick up this money and I'm like what money and they're like we want to pay for your 5k and I went oh I better go register for one then so but yeah I did and um I was I was proud of myself. I did it in like forty two minutes with the um, with my bad training schedule because I've got to where I was only running once or twice a week. And uh, but so yeah, I did it and I ran last night. And so I'm looking to do one. My goal is to do one on the twentieth. It's something to support cancer. So you can do it with me, everybody who lives in the Dallas area. Because if you don't do it, that means you hate children and love cancer. So I I can find nothing wrong with that argument. Um, don't hate cancer. I mean, don't yeah. hate children. Right. Don't love cancer. Uh, so this news story that we're going to talk about, we're not talking about it because it's news. And it, it may be old hat, but I hope that we have a different take on an old discussion. Um, this is now three weeks old. Uh, a, a, a troll, he calls himself a conservative pundit, but as a conservative, I find that offensive. Um, Me too. But a troll by the name of Milo, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, I'm guessing, um, made fun of one of the Ghostbusters chicks and got himself banned. I'm not going to give much more detail than that. I mean, he, was, he was trolling her, and she reported him, and Twitter banned his account. Okay, and so then he, he works for Breitbart. He's a writer for, for that, uh, quote, news organization. And um, he, uh, you know, used his poison pen and, and, and cried foul and said, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. I thought this was America. Yeah, you're all a bunch of commie leftists, yada, yada. So I don't, I don't really even want to talk much about the story there. Uh, but what I do want to talk about is this concept that we have. Um, I, and I, I'm not going to I don't even know if this discussion works throughout the rest of the world but in america we talk about free speech or free country all the time it is a common thing and it's come up on this show lots of times so i just wanted to talk a little bit about the the social construct not the legal construct of the right to free speech so where it comes from essentially um is the first amendment to the constitution so quick constitution lesson here um, some guys got together and decided they didn't want to be citizens of, of King George anymore. And so they committed an act of treason and said, we renounce our citizenship. We are no longer subject of the king. This land that he gave us, we are here because he granted us that we are going to steal that from him. Let's, let's be honest about what this is. We're going to steal King George's land. We're going to claim it for ourselves. We're going to call ourselves a new country. They committed an act of treason, and they wrote a Declaration of Independence, and there was a whole ba- a battle about that. But before that came, or, or, or around that time, came the whole Declaration of the Constitution. So this new country needed a constitution. And so these people, already been burned by, you know, uh, uh, working, uh, living in a monarchy, already knew what it was like to have an oppressive government. Um, and so they didn't like the Constitution as it was written. No, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't get ratified um and so the first thing that they had to do was do 10 amendments to that constitution so before it was ever ratified it was amended 10 times and the very first amendment to the constitution reads quote 
Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press over the right to the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the, petition the government for a redress of grievance. That's it. Okay? So there's essentially five rights there. Religion, um, the exercise of religion, um, the freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of assembly, and freedom to petition the government for redress. So those are the five uh, implied rights uh, or declared rights in the First Amendment of the of the Constitution of the United States of America. It was ratified. It is the law of the land. It is the foundational document of our country. But 95% of the time you hear somebody invoke freedom of speech, they have, they have not talking about Congress or about government or about the law at all. They're just talking about I should have the right to say what I want to say. So I want to take that that context there and say ask the question because we have a legal framework that says the government must allow me to say what i want to say does that mean we have a societal contract that in non-legal matters i can say whatever i want to say and that's what yiannopoulos was doing he was he was not censured by congress in any way twitter banned him and he said, I have a right to free speech. So he couldn't possibly have been talking about his legal right because there's nothing in the law that says Twitter shall make no rule abridging the freedom of speech or the right to assemble or the freedom of religion. So he's invoking a, a social construct, not a legal one. Does that social construct truly exist is my question. Seth, your thoughts. Okay, so framing it like this, he, you know, I mean, there, there's some, I mean, okay, we have the freedom of speech. We do not have the freedom of consequences of our freedom of speech. So, you know, he said something stupid. He was a bleep hole. And like most bleep holes in private situations, and while Twitter is a public company, it is a private website. It is not owned by the government. It is owned by a corporation. So this corporation said, hey, if you're going to talk like that, you can't be here. So he was censored by the place he was at he was being a bad guest in twitter um but at the same you know it's not like okay when the de- when the constitution was written you had letters that were that took days to go anywhere you had the newspaper that had very limited circulation and you probably knew most of the people who read the paper and most conversations really all conversations were face-to-face. There was, you know, or it was like, I say something to you, it goes by, you know, I write it down this letter, it goes into this box where this horseman picks it up, travels through night, avoids, you know, these brigands trying to rob him, it goes somewhere else and transfers, and then they read it, and they're like, what, this is smudge, what does this say, does this look like an R to you, dear? Okay, and then they do something (laughs) back, and then they get back, and you go, wait a minute, did you not see me, what I meant to say? And so you could not have true two-way communication with over you know half a world away half a city away it was just impractical um so the government then censoring speech 
but in our modern society, how far should the freedom of speech, our quote unquote guarantee right as an American citizen, um, most of most all of these rights have been abridged to some degree. Um, you know, for example, you can't you know, you, you, if you want to, you can go into a crowded building and yell fire, but the, you are legally responsible for the mayhem that ensues after that. So, um, how much, how far should our rights extend into the, did the modern conversation, which happens less and less face to face? I, that, that is a really good question. While I don't disagree that this guy had the right to say what he said. Well, okay, I'm stop right there. Okay, perfect. I'm going to interrupt your thought okay. because you immediately went back to the Constitution and back to the law. When my question was, does does that right actually exist? So you just said, I believe that guy has the right to say what he said. Where does that right come from? It's not from the law. It's not from the Constitution. It's not from the foundational legal principles. Where does that right come from that you believe he has? See, but having the right to say it and then having the right to say it on Twitter well, no, are okay, the same let, thing. You, so, let's not equivocate. But, okay. I, you, I, let, we hold these truths to be self-evident that certain inalienable, uh, God, that we are endowed by certain inalienable rights. Is this a right from God, as the, con- the framers of the Constitution said? Where does the right to say what you want to say come from let's take twitter out of it let's take saying something bad you know uh let's take all of that out of it what is the essence of the right to to freedom of speech in this country where legal where where the law is not concerned because nobody broke any laws here all right Right. you didn't break any laws twitter didn't break any laws nobody's even saying that the argument is we live in a free country where freedom of speech is is the rule of of the land where did that come from? What what is the essence of that right to free speech? Uh, I mean, because <laughs> we're Americans, dead government. Yeah, well, and so um, that's what I was saying. So now we're at a point where this is we're talking about a social construct now, right? Instead of a legal one. And I I don't disagree with you, Seth. We have. We live in, in the U.S. is what's called a high-trust society. Um, we, we believe intrinsically that we have a right to go next door to our neighbor and say, can I borrow your lawnmower? My lawnmower broke down. And that, that contract says that the, lawn, the neighbor has to say, yes, you can borrow my lawnmower. And that contract says that I must return it in relatively the same condition that I got it in that this is all a social contract It's not written down in law anywhere, right? Uh, even that probably wouldn't even hold up in a small claims court. But even if we take that out of it, that that is a social contract construct in our high uh, trust society that exists. Um, that Craigslist, as you were talking about, can only exist in high trust societies in low trust societies. You can't have something like Craigslist because you know, the, the guy would be like, well, I'm not, I'm not giving you the money until I load you until I load the couches on my truck. Well, I'm not letting you load the couches on your truck until you give me the money. Uh, well, right. we need to get you know we need to get a third party here to hold the money and another third party to load the trucks. Well, I'm not going to let you pick the third party. And there are countries like that where this is the way things go. the The term Arab trader exists for a reason, right? So because we live in a high trust society, there are certain rules. Is the right to say what you want to say 
a social construct because of our high trust society? Where does that right come from? Well, I mean, you know, the the founding fathers laid it out that it comes uh, ultimately from God, um, which I would tend to agree with. But then how you walk that down through people, if if the other person doesn't have the right to speak their mind, then they don't have the duty to listen to what I have to say. So if I have the right, it's it. you could almost, I mean, if you wanted to get really like, I don't know, I always get moral and ethics. I mean, there's some difference in them, but if I expect to be heard when I speak and it just because I'm a person and dead gum and I matter, then that means that other people have a right to be heard when they speak. If I, if, if I have a right, then I mean, of course, everybody, whether they admit it or not, think they're better than everybody else. Uh, you know, some of us just are good at not, you know, being hung up on that. So, but if, if I have the right to do something, then other people have to have the same rights or we don't have a society. So, okay. so I want to, I want to go, so I'm making notes here because I, I didn't want to interrupt, interrupt your thoughts. Um, you said something interesting there. You turned the, the freedom of speech into the right to be heard. That's a very different thing. The, so the guy who can stand and, and shout at the, on the street corner has the right to speak but now you're implying a right to be heard so that that the people who are on the who are passing by now have some obligation to listen to what he has to say or an obligation to not prevent him the right to speak you know you can't really dictate hey you have to listen and pay attention to what everybody around you says the world would cease to function but you can't go around making people not speak because you know you just don't like the cacophony of noise you disagree with them or they have pink shoes you only like white they're an apple idiot and you're an enlightened person something like that you can't just make arbitrary decisions like that you have to you have to let them speak and give them the ability to be heard. You don't have to listen. You know, you can walk around with your fingers in your ears, your earphones on, uh, earplugs or whatever, but they have to have the right to have the option to be heard. All right. So now let's, let's take it into a different arena. Let's take it away from the public square and into the privacy of my living room. Um, knowing you as I do, Seth, I know where you, you're going to stand on this. You're going to say that barring the violating a law, I am God in my living room and I can decide what goes on there, right? right. Barring the rules of society, right? Right. So Milo Yiannopoulos could not come into my living room and call my wife a whore. That He doesn't have the right to do that, right? Because now now his right to be to speak and his right to be heard is subordinate to my right to maintain what happens on my own property. Would you agree with that? If if he were my friend and he came in my house and did something like that, there would be consequences to his actions. 
You know, he wouldn't get the ability to say your wife is a whore and then, hey, can I get a refill on this drink? You know, when he says that, he then sets in motion a chain of consequences that he is not guaranteed the right to be exempt from the consequences he started in my house. So So if, if he came into my home and did that, he would be ejected from my home, quite possibly minus a few teeth. All right, it, so it would he, be forceful. Yes, yeah. He he would. Uh, most of him would leave my home. I'm not <laughs> sure all of him would leave my home. Right. So, is that not the exact same thing that Twitter did? This is Twitter's world. Just because it's on the internet, it's their platform. It's their living room. Uh, and what Twitter did, and and we have some uh, uh, Chag in the chat room um, has commented that. Uh, uh, Milo's ejection from Twitter was largely largely due to a double standard. I find that interesting. His point, I'm assuming, and it's hard to to get through the 90 second or so delay uh, on the live stream. But his point, I'm assuming, is that um, Twitter has allowed other people to say worse things, and and that they cut him off. I whether or not that is true, that doesn't change the fact that they have rules. They're, they're called user agreement uh, uh, terms of service. And he viola- uh, violated the terms of service blatantly. And you can choose to, you know, if, and if, if, if a very, very wealthy multi-billionaire came into my home and told me that after the end of a meal with him, he was going to write me a check for a billion dollars. And during the course of that meal, he called my wife a whore. There's a good chance I'm going to take it. That's a double standard, right? But I have something to gain from that. I'm going to say, yes, sir. <laughs> and I'm probably not going to punch him out, and I'm probably not going to eject him. I'm telling you here that apparently I can be bought. Um, but I'm just being honest with you. There are times when you choose which, which rules you will um, um, enforce and which rules you won't. In this case, Twitter chose to enforce their rules that you agree to when you check the box that says, I have read and agree before you sign up. And they threw him out. I, I find it interesting that Milo calls, or excuse me, that that Chag in the chat room calls that a double standard, because you know he was he the standard was they had rules, and the standard was he violated them. I find it far more interesting that Milo himself could call this a violation of his right to free speech. I don't understand that at all. I don't see how these two things are in any way related, even in the context of the social right to free speech. So uh, again, I keep coming back to that. We can't stand on legal right here because it doesn't exist. Then the right must be some sort of implied social contract. See, what what he is doing, to take it out of Twitter and put it in another example, let's say you're on the interstate, and let's say the speed limit is 75. You are going 85, and somebody passes you going 90. You get pulled over because you were speeding, your first response is that other guy was going faster than me. That's true. That that is irrelevant to the fact that you were knowingly breaking the law. So our our defense and it's a defense mechanism and you know and there's probably a good Latin word for it and maybe a Greek and there's probably even a good English word for it um, is we want to say but they were breaking the law more therefore I get a free pass I know I was breaking the law but you shouldn't punish me you should punish that person that broke the law more which and that's what American society has degenerated into. 
I, I didn't do anything wrong, officer. I was only breaking the law by 10 miles an hour. Right. And, or, or a, and or we a don't subtle understand. Comment. Yeah. We don't understand. Go ahead. Or, <laughs> I was going to say, it'll be a subtle comment like, you know, aren't there murderers and thieves you could be catching while they're writing out the ticket? Right. Yeah. After I catch this violator of the law, I'll go talk with those violators of the law. Uh, but yeah, th- there is a relativism thing. And <laughs> what, I f- what I find fascinating about this discussion is how hard it is to keep you on track. And and I'm not I'm not accusing you of anything. It's just a really slippery thing to get your hands on, uh, because we always want to go off in these other directions and say because this because that. No, we yeah. I mean, and and the sad part is the reason it's so hard to stay on track is because we as a society have went so far off track on this topic we have claimed freedom of speech and i'm not saying y'all have claimed i'm saying we have claimed freedom of speech abuses for things that weren't freedom of speech abuses you know we've claimed hey i'm gonna say you're a bleepity bleep 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 and i'm off scot-free well what happens if you then got tired of me saying that and punched me well or you know you called me something back and it's like whoa man can't we all get along we do something and then we get mad when somebody else does the exact same thing we do or we do something wrong, but it's okay because other people are doing something that we know to be wrong too. And we've, we've let it go societally to the point to where even in our minds, we've so justified the action or we've so confused the issue. We can't even have an abstract conversation on the topic. And so I'm guilty of that. Alexander Hamilton, he's big right now. Thanks to Hamilton, the musical, right? Um, politician, um aaron burr sitting vice president of the united states had a disagreement about the right to free speech which ended in a duel in which they shot at each other so to say that this is a new argument would be silly um the the, we we now have more quote rights than anybody ever has right because hamilton shot a guy legally i might add the law of the land allowed for him to shoot somebody who impugned his honor. Words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but if you insult me, I'll shoot you. And, and so this is how far we've come. That was 1804. So uh, 212 years ago, the right, quote unquote, to free speech was still the law of the land, but it was not part of the social contract. What happened? How do, is it? Okay. A different question are we better off now than we were then man you see because here's the thing if you ask that question then the answer you get is yes we live longer we have the internet we have you're totally missing the point of your question are we better off the implied is in this specific framework yeah, i don't th- think so as a society of rule followers right social rules i'm not talking about laws talking about social norms um the social norms have changed dramatically as they do um and and this is the the classic conservative liberal progressive argument you know to keep that which has been known to be good or to press forward toward that which might be even better um and and that you know that comes that's the whole uh, conservative liberal thing conservatives the the definition of the word is to conserve that which is um and and then you know there's regressives who want to go back 
Right. Um, and and currently, Donald Trump is running on a regressivist platform. Make America great again. Go back the way things were. I'm not going to go too far into that, but you can see the language is still there, right? There's progressives, there's liberals, there's conservatives, and there's regressives. Um, if you want to regress, how far back do you regress? And when do you decide as a society what's good, what's, what's good and what's bad and what's better? Um, I am much more free today. Uh, my my uh, 12-year-old daughter, I don't know how the... Con- uh, oh, yeah, I was watching uh, beach volleyball, Olympics. Love me some Olympics. Um, and volleyball is one of my favorite sports to watch. It's fast-paced. It's violent. It's athletic. Um, and I like beach volleyball even better because it's two people covering a large area. There's lots of dives, lots of... It's, it's fast-paced. I really enjoy the sport of volleyball, particularly beach volleyball. I was watching uh, women's beach volleyball, and there were four women out there, and I'd said out loud to my wife and daughter, 200 years ago, we'd be put in prison for watching this. This was porn. These women in bikinis jumping around. This was porn. And then I had to explain to my daughter what porn was, um, and, we, and then it was like, well, what did they wear to go swimming? So we looked up uh, you know, bathing suits a la 1900. And right. it was, you know, long pants with a skirt over the long pants. Um, and she was like, I can't, be- you know, I don't wear that to church. That was her phrase. I don't wear that to church today, let alone to go swimming. That is that progress or is that regress? I don't know which it is. I don't know if we have progressed as a society because I can look at mostly naked women playing football uh, or, or volleyball rather, or if we have regressed as a society because I can look at mostly naked women playing volleyball. I don't know the answer to that question, but it's all part and parcel to this this concept of, I feel that this right of free speech, this right of freedom, um, is is being stretched in the same way that the modesty rules are being stretched. Now, society as a whole expects more to be given to them as a fundamental right. Not only do I have a right to be heard, um, but I have a right for you to provide me a platform to be heard. I have a right for you to provide infrastructure for me to be heard. I don't. I can't decide if this is good or bad, but somehow this this slippery slope has begun. Of a, we have the right for the for the government not to jackbooted thugs drag us off because of what we say about the king. That's where we started, right? And now a troll says, "I have a right for you to provide me server and worldwide infrastructure to say what I want to say, and if you don't, you're abridging my rights." Right, and in that sense. See, there, there are there are a myriad of ways where we are better off as a as a society than we were two hundred years ago. But I think we get we say we have the right to freedom of speech, but in our minds, what we mean is we have a right to say whatever we want and be exempt from any consequences. I think it goes farther than that. I have a right for you to agree with me. I think that's the implied right. I have a right for my way to be law. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's unfortunately, I mean, yes, that is the implied right because there, there is all the talk of right, but there is no talk of duty. So, and that's the problem. You can't have rights if you don't have duty. And 
unfortunately, we've so emphasized the right and we've so said, I have the right not to do that. I have the right not to do that. I have the right not to do that, but I have the right to get that, 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 and that. Mm-hmm. So but, I have a right to a free college education in a safe environment where words won't hurt me. I mean, I have a right to free medical uh, care. I have a right to a basic living stipend and I have a right to Netflix and Facebook and then lifetime supply of stupid cat videos. Those are all my rights as an American today. Now, there are certain times where society enacts a right into law. For example, in the U.S., every citizen has the right to an education, a public paid-for education. That's that's a law that we've decided. That's a right that we have conferred upon ourselves uh, as a part of citizenship. Uh, in fact, it goes the other way around. It is illegal not to be educated in this country. Um, so it's not only a right, it's a duty to be educated. Um, that is, I'm not going to say unique to the world, but certainly unusual in the world. That a society says a fundamental basic right of you having been born in this is that you will be educated. And and tacit with that is a fundamental responsibility of you having been born in this country is you will be educated. You don't send your kids to, to school. It doesn't have to be a public school. If you can't demonstrate to uh, the satisfaction of a legal body that your children are being uh, educated, you can go to jail for that. So that is a right. So when we talk about certain certain rights, there are rights that are not you know endowed by our creator, but there are rights that we as a society have gotten together and said, this is a right that we will give. What I'm not sure about, though, is in cases where we haven't, where there's nothing written down, where, there, where we haven't codified that, where these rights come from. And it's, you know, the right to free speech, the right to free health care, the right to free condoms. Um, it's the right to whatever I want. But see, and, and this is something that you said we have the right to health care. In America, we don't have the right to health care. We have the right to purchase health insurance, which that is not health care. Anyway. No, I didn't mean to imply that we had a right to health care. I mean right. that there are people who say, we have a right to health care. Right. And uh, I'm just pointing but, out that we don't. Yeah. We have a right to uh, be mandated to purchase insurance, which is not the same thing as health care, but people don't understand that. So, okay, I'm sorry. That was the rabbit trail that I just yeah. had to point out in passing. But, but, but see, you're, that point there is we're, we're less than a generation away from that being a thing, that people say, saying, I have a right, and, and, and society agreeing with them. I think that's what concerns me. Is that if you scream loud enough that you have a right to do something, eventually society says, okay, you're right. You do have a right to do that. And and this this concerns me greatly. Um, if we don't know where our rights come from, how do we know who can, who can allow them and who can forbid them? I mean, a government, by definition, any governing body, not necessarily a federal government, but your local HOA, your school board... Uh, you, uh, your boss at work, any governing body, by definition, restricts your rights. That's what governance is, restricting what you can do. And so to have this idea that the, 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 the entity whose only purpose is to restrict rights is the giver of rights is, is not only wrong, but frightening. Yeah, I mean... You know, in America, okay, the government supposedly gets its power from the people. I am going to give up 
a portion of my autonomy and I'm going to transfer that to the government. And in return, the government provides a space for me to exercise the rest of my autonomy. Now, is that whether that government be a federal government, whether that government be a state or local government, whether that government be the governing body of the religious order you are under, that is really, it just took me a while to answer your question, Mark. That is really where government comes from. I give up a portion of my self-government. I say, I will abide by you in these areas, and in return, you provide a safe space for me to exercise these other areas away. And then, so, you know, we have it at the federal level, and then we come to the state and say, okay, all the stuff the the federal government doesn't do, I'm going to give you a portion of my personal sovereignty, and then you are going to provide this sphere for me to do all this other stuff and protect me from the federal government going too far. And then I'm going to go down to the local government and say, okay, I'm going to give you a portion of my sovereignty. And then you're going to protect me from the state government and do the stuff the state government doesn't do because I don't want the state government dictating how much electricity costs because I'm closer to the power plant here than somebody who lived in West Texas before wind power came online. So, you know, I don't want to be told how much trees cost because I have 25 acres of them, you know, and somebody in West Texas, Texas has to drive five hours to see a tree. So, you know, there's certain things that a one big government is too big to do. Um, So that's where the power of government comes from. But unfortunately, what has happened is the government has said, we hold all power and we let you do a couple of things. And that is that is what some people and you know, okay, I don't want to get political. Well, anyway, you already did. But yeah, uh, in, inherent in what you said there, I like that way you did. I, we're giving up personal sovereignty, but the the mindset here that that Eunopolis is is exerting, and that uh, frankly Bernie Sanders and, and and a lot of powerful people, the the mindset that they're displaying is that my sovereignty is more important than your sovereignty. And we're not sure what the rules are that define that. We're not sure why my sovereignty is more important, but it is. Um, and so Leonopolis has said, my sovereignty is more important than the actress, and I'm sorry that I'm I'm giving him credit or, or blame. I'm, I'm using his name and not hers. That's unfair of me. I Leslie Jones is her name. Thank you, Leslie Jones. To say that Milo Yiannopoulos's sovereignty supersedes Leslie Jones's sovereignty. That's That's his point, essentially. Uh, and there's th- whatever argument uh, you want to couch it under, whatever rhetoric you want to use, his entire point is that my sovereignty supersedes hers. Um, and Twitter said, no, not only does your sovereignty not supersede hers, your sovereignty doesn't supersede ours, you're out of here. And he says, because my because you didn't agree with me that my sovereignty supersedes hers, you have abridged my right to free speech. Which right? What goes? So we're all, you know, I'm talking myself into a circle here because it all comes back to that concept of where did this right come from? This alleged right to free speech that you said yourself you would agree he has. And frankly, you know, it makes sense. Every American says, well, yeah, he's got the right to free speech. Why does he have the right to free speech? And what does that right come from? And and you know, the right to to freedom of religion, right? If I if I want to display a, a Jesus saves bumper sticker. And and an atheist doesn't like it, and and wants me to take it down. You know, I I could say I have a right to freedom of religion. Well, I don't. I mean, because the atheist isn't the government. So it's it, it, it just 
I'm not expressing myself clearly, but it's the concept of these phantom rights, these societal rights that are imbued by nobody and governed by nobody that, right. that, that I'm trying to nail down. If a small group of people are getting together and talking about this actress and saying, golly, that is the worst actress, and I, I can't believe she gets paid for that, and not only that, her body odor is questionable, and they might not even be human. Um, you know, if you and I were having this conversation sitting around the living room um, in either one of our houses, that's not a big deal. But if we're at this restaurant and I stand up on top of the table and take in a big breath full of air and bellow like I can bellow that this actress isn't a lousy actress. She probably smells and may or may not be human. Then, you know, okay, I did not say anything that would be worthy of a civil or not a I might have said something worthy of a civil fine but nothing criminally wrong but if the bouncer of that restaurant form tackled me off the table and said you're never stepping foot in here again that's not a freedom of speech issue that's a consequence of going into some place that isn't mine and being a bleep hole so yeah. my freedom of speech was not abridged i was just merely informed that <laughs> their freedom of this is my house takes precedent over your freedom of speech in my house so yeah. and interesting i'm watching the chat room as you as you're talking here and the 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 relativism real, real uh raises its head there uh there were plenty of worse attacks against her meaning uh the the actress um it's even smart people and i'm giving the chat room credit for being smart people can't get away from this relativistic mindset right um and and seth the 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 thing that you just said there i i can hear people talking back to us as they listen to the show and there are there's a there's a percentage of them right now that have just latched on to the fact that that bouncer beat you up and violated you and and they can't even see the the initial issue because they're jumping on to the fact that well he didn't have any right to beat me up um, and that's that's the thing about rights is is relativism kicks in and once you start talking about it suddenly there's these other rights and and when you when you can't when you can't stand on one you jump to another um i i kind of i go back to what you've said many times seth we need to we need to teach formal classes in rhetoric so that people at least know how to express themselves intelligently and relevantly uh because that you know <laughs> that would diffuse a lot of these situations wouldn't it i think it would and unfortunately it yeah, there's. We have let the bombastic minority of society rail and confuse the issue because being relativistic and saying they broke my right or I'm not in trouble. What I did was wrong, and I know it's wrong, but I don't want to take the consequences. So I have to point out something that somebody else exactly. did wrong, whether real or imagined, whether it fits in this case or not. I will take a legal matter, and I will then pull it out of the realm of legality and stick it in the realm of socially social interaction and try to make it stick merely to cover my own bleep. Because covering my bleep is the only right that matters in today's society, unfortunately. The so right I, of bleep covering is not in the Constitution. <laughs> we're, we're, we're spiraling down in, in ever more tighter circles, so I'm going to call it here. But I, I want to wrap it up by saying that in my own home, with my children, what I teach them is that you have a single right. There is one right, 
that you have, and that is the right to breathe. Everything else is a privilege. And when my children start talking about rights, I, I inform them once again, you have the right to breathe. Everything else is a privilege. Um, and I hope that in my small corner of the world, I can raise a few people who understand the concept of a right. Um, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, in fact, those are the only rights <laughs> given to our uh, in the Constitution. And that's why it had to be amended, because they, they, that didn't go far enough. Um, anyway, the... If we just look at it as say everything is a privilege, that changes the mindset. But instead, the the current mindset is everything is a right, um, and that's a very different thing. You can take away a privilege, you can deny a privilege, but when you deny a right, it's a different thing. So that when we start crossing the line between privileges and rights, um, there's a there's an entitlement that comes there. So my my final word and seth i'll let you have your final word but my final word is you have the right to breathe everything else is a privilege yes unfortunately people take their right to stupidity and far spend more time building that up than their duty to be contribute to society and that's my final word and i just have to say that the middle school boy in me has giggled every time you've said duty yeah oh no it was me too i <laughs> yeah i giggled before i said it so he said duty um this is the part of the show where i tell you how you can feed back to us have i been a bombastic gas bag probably but what else would you have to say about it tell me what you think uh, about about this whole concept of rights versus privileges versus you know and, and I, i'm particularly interested in people from other countries where you have not only uh, different laws but different customs uh what do you think about this whole discussion um are we are we you know was this an hour and a half of navel gazing that didn't need to happen um tell me what you think um and go to elementopi.com click the contact us button at the top of the page that's the best way to contact us uh fill out the form that that goes to an email uh you can leave your voicemail on our voice or on our google voice account uh, 559 imop is the phone number there or uh you can show up in the chat room at 7 30 eastern time on sunday nights at elementopi.com and uh click on the chat or uh uh irc uh we're in the uh, free node i can't even remember what server i think free node server uh, uh element op is the channel um and you can chat and we'll we'll see you right there as we talk and and i'm in the in there anytime i'm online i'm in there so you can find me there too but anyway i, I i'm interested to hear what you have to say uh and i would like to be able to share it with the rest of the the audience as well so having said all that seth what do you have for our this week in history okay this is, is actually two weeks ago in history or is it actually this week no it's actually this week okay. i found one for this week okay August the 6th, 1997. Some people already know what it is, probably. Microsoft buys $150 million of Apple stock um, in an effort to help save Apple computer and possibly defect criticism in its own antitrust trial. Microsoft Corporation buys $150 million in shares of Apple computer. Um, Apple, you know, this was back when Apple was having a hard time basically doing anything other than hemorrhage cash. Um, and they agreed to, like, cooperate, share patents, and Microsoft agreed to continue supporting Microsoft Office for the Mac for at least another five years. That happened this week in history 19 years ago. This was a super big deal when it happened. Oh, my gosh. Yes. The Apple fanboys lamented the fact that Microsoft – but Microsoft saved Apple. Apple today owes its very existence to this $150 million they got from Microsoft while they were riding their ship. 
there would be no iPhone without Apple. Or without Microsoft. I mean, yeah, without Microsoft. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this was a big deal at the time. And yeah, this was total legal CYA, you know, because uh, Microsoft was being sued by the government for being a monopoly. And their only way to say that there weren't a monopoly is to say, look, we have competition, but our competition is about to go under. So let's prop them up so that we have competition and we're not a monopoly. Right. Yeah. And at this point, you know, Google or Linux had been around for 15, 20 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> not that long at all. Unix was still the back end uh, of the major computing world. Uh, Microsoft was the desktop king and their NT server was big at this point. So Active Directory, no, this was before Active Directory. Active Directory didn't come out to Windows 2000, but NT server, um, uh, Corel Net, Netware was the big networking uh, giant among computer networks. So Microsoft really, they, they saved themselves a lot of grief, I think, and they made the juggernaut of the Apple uh, entertainment industry slash protection racket um, possible. And uh, the world is better for it, I, I think. I do, yeah, um, me too. Yeah. So, As much as I don't like the way Apple treats its customers... I can't argue that they've had a positive effect uh, on uh, on society as a whole. Technology, anyway. Uh, it's so funny to read a book or watch a movie before 2007. <laughs> like, because 2007 is the day the world changed, or the year the world changed. Right. The iPhone came out. And the iPhone itself was not a great piece of technology at right. the time, uh, but it ushered in the new, you know, the slab of glass that we all stare at today. The world was completely unrecognizable. Um, the world of today would have been completely unrecognizable in 2006. Um, crazy stuff. Um, and Microsoft is now trying to do, in, in, in different ways, the same thing to the Linux community. And the Linux community is, is fighting them. Hey, we want to help you. We want to make the world a better place. Can we give you money? <laughs> no! We hate you. Micro sucks. Whatever. All right, Seth, what do you have to lower my productivity so that you look like a better hiring option? Okay, you've been breaking up on me, and you're starting to come back in. So I don't. I only heard like while you were talking. What's your link this week? Oh, okay, radio.com. This this might get you fired. So I might have a, <laughs> a lot of job openings. Uh, it's currently beta. You can go to the website. You can pick a decade. And then you can pick a country and explore music from that country in that decade or upload songs um, has they're like an example of that country in that decade radio with one, two, three. How many is that? Several Z, several O's. Uh, the link O's. will be in the show notes. This might get so, you fired. So if I want to explore the British new wave of heavy metal that came about in England in 1980s, uh, I can do that. Right. Or you can upload a song to like provide an example of, you know, if you have a um, um, Uzbekistani folk music um, from your great, great grandfather of the 1920s on cassette or wax somewhere, you can digitize that and upload it. So this is crazy. Cool. Um I saw this could get somebody fired. I I'm going to have to play with this a little bit. If you're a, a fan of, of music history, 
Um, so you can click different buttons. You, you, the mood is slow, fast, or weird. Right. Um, um, once you get past the initial pop-up in the middle of the screen, it goes, you have the timeline at the bottom with the different decades, and then you have the map of the world. Um, so, you know, if there's probably not much for Antarctica because there's not a lot of people there, but, you know, and maybe for one decade, there's nothing for that country. So you can, you can scroll through your eight tracks or your cassettes or your LPs or your EPs, um, you know, or in upload something and tag it to a country. So, uh, yeah, I was just looking at, uh, again, I, I picked England in 1980s and the first thing that came up was Buggles video killed the radio star. And uh, that, I agree, is sort of uh, epitomizes that period of time and that location. Cool stuff. This this could be very, this could be a time suck for a music lover, for sure. Yep. Good job, Seth. Thank you. All right. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us uh, and listening. Thank you for being in the chat room uh, this week. It's always nice when we have people there who can uh, can spur the conversation along. Um Again, I I hope you'll reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Um, But uh, for now, I'm going to say that ends this episode of The Geek Rant. Geek Rant.